You are listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. Our goal is to help you follow what Jesus taught in Matthew 6:33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Now, here's our host, Marina Maria. Welcome to Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guest, Brother Timothy Johnson, who lives in San Carlos, Arizona, in the Apache Reservation, and is from the Apache tribe. He has been in ministry for 30 plus years. He is married to Freedom, and they have three wonderful children. They have traveled and ministered throughout the U.S. and Canada, serving individuals, families, communities, and churches among the First Nations and beyond. I met Timothy Johnson at a few weeks ago, I should say, at the Native American Rising Glory Conference themed Assembling of Eagles at Prepare the Way International Church in Phoenix, Arizona. So I just want to thank you, Brother Timothy Johnson, for being on Faith City Outreach to discuss the topic of the awakening. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for um, having me with with you on this broadcast. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what God's going to do. And I really believe that um, it's going to be anointed and uh, people will be touched, just as in your previous broadcast that you've done. So I really appreciate being here and uh I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. It's an honor for you to be here. I've always sought out uh, Native American voices. And when I met you, I just prayed. I said, Lord, if it's your will, then you will bring him this way. Because we know that Native American voices have not been heard for many years. And so that is my passion is to bring the native voices to to the broadcast on air. So my first question I wanted to ask you, I know you said that you live in the Apache reservation and yes. you're from the Apache tribe. That is is that common for someone to stay in and live in the uh reservation for that long of a time? Uh yeah, yes it is. Um a lot of folks are born raised um sometimes they'll a lot of uh folks will leave the reservation for temporary time whether it be for schooling or a college or education or maybe a temporary job uh but they eventually do come back a lot of the leaders encourage um uh, people to go and get an education then come back and help their people help their community um such as uh we have a new healthcare facility here and they have a motto where they they call it Apaches healing Apaches so they're really uh focused on trying to get the uh Apache people educated in healthcare and that type of uh sector so that they can come back and help their their own people so it, yeah it is common and um I grew up here as well but also it was going out quite a bit in ministry and in the work of the Lord at an early age. Um, uh, so, yeah, they do go and then they come back. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's common in a lot of areas. Brother Timothy, when did you accept um, Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Oh, my. I was just talking with my wife a few minutes ago about this. <laughs> I said there's a question in there about uh, when I gave my heart to the Lord. It, it's I, I believe 
somewhere when I was really young. Um, my father probably led me to the Lord and had, had me say a prayer with him. I was basically raised up um, in the Lord um, so much that I can't like pinpoint a certain date, a certain time uh, that that happened. It just seemed like something that I, I grew up in. And um, so, uh, yeah, I really don't recall that that time, but I know my um, mom would tell me a story. My, my dad passed away a few years ago and my mom would tell me he would sit me on the couch and he would be talking to me scriptures and exhorting to me and, and sharing the word of God with me. And she said, I would be sitting there just looking at him, but uh, I believe he was embedding me with the word of God. And um, that's kind of something that stuck in my heart in my life. And um, there's one particular incident that I remember in the Lord. Um, I was probably about 10, maybe nine or 10. We went, we were going to a service in a basement church. And um, I remember that at that time getting filled uh, with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Spirit, um, so much that I just wept and I cried and, and I just cried and wept and, and spoken of the tongues and just felt the power and the anointing of God. And um, service was going on and it had ended and everybody was still sitting there and I, the anointing of God was still upon me. And eventually they had to carry me out up the stairs and back out to the car. And I went home in that condition. Um, so I can remember that. Um, I can't, I, I won't forget that, but um, yeah, I just thank the Lord for this journey um, that I've been on. And I'm thankful for that. You were certainly blessed to have a uh, Christian upbringing. And I know that your dad's, um, dad was involved in the A.A. A. Allen's Miracle Ministry, and that also influenced you greatly, too. Um, and for the listeners who don't know who A.A. A. Allen is, he was an um, American Pentecostal evangelist known for his faith healing and deliverance ministry. I myself had to look that up myself, mm. <laughs> Brother Timothy, because I know yeah. that was mentioned in your past interview with Katie Sosa. And I said to myself, I need to look him up. <laughs> so I read a little bit about him. But yes, please share your dad's involvement in the A8 um, Allen's Miracle Ministry and how that impacted you. Okay, um, my dad uh, started in ministry, and A. Allen was originally from Arizona here, and um, a lot of the Native people were aware of him, especially in our tribe. We actually have a fellowship here called Miracle Church, and it's, it beca it's become a little organization um, in Arizona, among some Indian tribes, there's miracle churches in different communities now and, and a few reservations. But he got involved with that, and he used to go out when I was little, again, I was small, and him and my mom would go out to Miracle Valley. And at this time, they weren't really uh, serving the Lord really strong, but the uh, power of God is what drew them the signs, wonders, and miracles, and um, no, and hearing about the things that were going on. So they used to drive out there 
and um, just park outside and listen. And, it, you know, you get too close, you, you're eventually going to fall into the water. And um, uh, that's kind of what happened. It kind of got on him and actually a lot of the different areas out here. Um, and that's kind of how that move first actually first came to our reservation was through A. Allen's ministry. And Miracle Church is one of the first uh, fellowships to get to come out here. And um, there was a man of God named Samuel Harris that uh, kind of brought that move and introduced it to the people here. And they would have camp meetings. My dad was a part of it. He helped with the tent. He helped with the setup. He helped with running services. And um, they would have tremendous moves of God out here. They would see the angels, um, an angel standing above the tent. Oil would be dripping off the tent, dripping off the trees. Um, Oil coming out of people's hands. It was just a powerful move. And my dad was a part of that. So I kind of grew up in that, that kind of in that season as a child. So I was able to taste some of that, I guess, in, in, as a, a growing up in that. And, um, and that kind of pushed my dad towards um, being an evangelist. And he would travel from to different revivals and to camp meetings. Um, again, as a young boy, I remember uh, traveling with him. We'd either sometimes we would hitchhike. Or we would find a, a car and we would travel and um, go into different revivals and camp meetings. And sometimes we would sleep, even when we would hitchhike, sometimes we would sleep in the, in the side of the road or rest area or the ditch somewhere and then get to the camp meeting. Um, and uh, sometimes in the early in the mornings, we would sleep on the platforms um, and get ready for service that morning and be there the entire day. Um, I think it was just the hunger and the thirst, the desire um, for God and to do his to do his work that really was burning in my dad's heart. So I grew up around that. And all this experiences always involved involved him and me seeing that and being around that and feeling that, hearing all of that, you know, it just kind of molded me and began to shape me. Uh, for what God was getting ready uh, to bring me into um, for that time and season. There's been a lot of other influences, other uh, men of God also that have come along the way that have added uh, to me. My spiritual father always said that um, uh, we are composites of the deposits that others have put in us. So there's been a lot of great men of God that uh, I've had real close relationship with that have deposited a lot of things into my life. And in the early years, my dad helped lay a foundation. And he would always say that, you know, you're laying a foundation right now with your ministry and your call. Make sure you're building a good foundation so that you can build on it later. Um, so, yeah, there's so much there. He would, um, he would have me expound on different scriptures and stand in front of him in the living room and um, just tell me to share something out of the word and he'd be there clapping and amen amen and um, so I really appreciate that that time of uh, fatherhood which is uh, something that is really needed in the body of Christ I think to um, really have an impact and have sons and daughters of God in the earth that's another really strong message uh, that God's put in my heart as well but yeah that's 
that's kind of the background as far as um, growing up around that, as far as A. Allen's influence on my dad and his his life, and then that that kind of flowing over as well. You mentioned witnessing miracle signs and wonders back then when um, your dad was involved in the A.A. Allen's Miracle Ministry. Have you witnessed any recent miracle signs or wonders recently? Uh, yes. Actually, um, a lot of it uh, happens quite a bit when we're uh, out ministering. The Lord really uses um, discernment and the word of knowledge and things like that to to show me um, what is going on in people in their lives and then I begin to pray for it and I tell them God reveals to redeem and just to let them know God knows what you're going through God knows the issue that you have and he's revealed it to redeem and um, we've had times where God has showed um, hemorrhaging and things like that happening Um, even loved ones that are at home and the Lord will reveal what they're wearing or the type of jewelry they have or uh, different things like that. At the camp meeting recently, we had a lady come up with the, uh, with the crutch, a cane. Um, she had a couple of people helping her up to the front. She had a boot on. Um, she couldn't walk on her own. And we just begin to pray over her and speak the word over her and release her from that. Um, she walked out of there without any help. I took her cane away and I held on to it and told her, you don't need it. You can carry this out. Um, she doesn't have a boot on there anymore. Uh, God healed her and she was dancing. Another lady we took out of a wheelchair. We just grabbed her by the hand and just told her that God releases you and the resistance is broken. Um, whatever has been resisting her or fighting her, and God brought, brought her up. So, yeah, we see a lot of signs and wonders and miracles like that. Um, and I thank the Lord, Lord for that, uh, deliverances as well, um, breaking the powers of darkness off of people's lives, um, driving the smoke, I call it, out of their minds, out of their, their lives, um, breaking the witchcraft that uh, tries to hold on to a lot of people. Um, and God releasing that as well. Um, but, but I'm thankful for, for his work. And, and I've always believed the Holy Ghost, the purpose and order of the Holy Ghost is to confirm, to substantiate and to authenticate the word. So every time the word goes forth, I believe that the Holy Ghost is going to confirm that word with signs and wonders and miracles following. And, um, I appreciate that. It's beautiful to see the, the work of God happen. It is. I'm curious to find out, Brother Timothy, if these testimonies that you just shared were from the natives in the Apache reservation or from another reservation, or were they outside of the reservation? Yeah, they're, they're a combination of both. Um, Some were on the reservation at a, a tent meeting or revival. Um, others were... In Phoenix, you know, um, that people were touched and delivered and healed. Um, the word of knowledge revealing things. Um, it, it's just beautiful how God works. And, um, and I'm, I'm, even though being in ministry for a while, I'm still, uh, still learning and still walking by faith. I see 
continues to open that. So yeah, it's been in, in different areas. And um, I just believe God for it. You know, I believe that he's going to do it. And, and it, it's a lot of it is on, depends on, on your heart. Um, Jesus, I've married many times that he was moved with compassion. So he would heal them and he would deliver them. He would see them as sheep without a shepherd. So that kind of moved him uh, was love. And that's how it all works through gifts, signs, wonders, and miracles uh, works out of the love of God for his people. And we have that love in our heart to see his children, my family, my son, you know, his sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters to be set free. So uh, that's what moves me to, to step into that as well. Um, not just, you know, having faith and, you know, and but that's a part of it. And, and faith, I believe, works through love because uh, you know that God's going to respond to that. Love never fails. And, um, yeah, that's what I've seen. But, but yeah, it's been a, been, been a mixture of uh, uh, Native and non-Native communities as well. And, and that's what we really want to be is a voice uh, to the people, you know, God's voices for um for everyone and that's kind of been one of my mandates is to be a bridge builder and to be a catalyst you know to bring and break the barriers and the walls and um but people know there's only there's only one word there's only one seed brother timothy i know that traditionalism is very challenging at least from what i have heard for a lot of natives to let go of how do you confront or how do you deal with this issue resolve this or how do you go about talking about this um about their about the traditions that they struggle with yeah like letting go of the traditions and just accepting like the lord's ways and what he believe his principles and his truths yeah a lot of a lot of those i have a lot of friends that are like that that don't know the lord but they follow that way um, one of the things is that I don't come to them in a religious way and just preach to them. Um, again, uh, my spiritual father, again, I always refers to a lot of the principles that he shared was, uh, people today are not, are saying, show me, don't tell me, show me, don't tell me, show me what, uh, love is. Don't tell me, show me what forgiveness is. Don't tell me, show me what a man is um, show me what a husband is show me what a father is so a lot of my testimony comes from my walk and role modeling to them the difference that he makes in my life um also that i've not fully preached the gospel in word only but also in deed um so there's more to it than just teaching and praying and prophesying um a lot of it has to do with what we walk in. And that's one of the things in churchanity is that we need to close the gap between what we know and what we live. Um, there's a lot that we know and speak, but very little that we live. And God wants us to really close that gap. So that's one of the things that, that I have done is to not, um, not uh, just like preach to them. And my outreach is a lot of times, Hey, how you doing? Um, and, and being friendly to them and creating that trust and that relationship with them so that in a time of need, 
they they are open to just to come to me and to talk to me and to open up to me. I'm going through this problem. I'm going through this issue. Then I can begin to tell them, you know, this is what has helped me. So the door begins to open that way. Um, God has blessed me to be able to know a lot of tribal leaders. Um, and I have councilmen that come to my office asking for prayer and uh, chairmen that come to me and friends with a lot of folks in Arizona that are in those type of positions. But it's not because of my preaching. It's because I believe like being a Daniel, being able to interpret dreams and hard sayings for them or to be there as a someone that can counsel um, but they know what I believe. They know where I come from. A lot of them hold those traditional beliefs. And I think slowly, slowly as they see, you know, there's something different about him, something different about his marriage. There's something different about his kids. There's, there's something uh, about him. And that's, I believe, what they're drawn to. Um, I think on, on Katie, I may, may, may have made reference to the Mark, his figure, Jesus. Um, of Isaiah 53 says his, he was so marred uh, beyond recognition that his visage and his countenance wasn't recognizable. And I mentioned on there that, um, you know, there's two spirits that did that. It was the spirit of religion and the spirit of the world that marred him to the point where he couldn't recognize him. And that's what I don't want to present to the people is a marred, disfigured Jesus to the nations or to the tribes um, I believe that God wants us to represent a more accurate Jesus to the world. And because um, they've already seen and witnessed the bad Christianity, you know, coming with the Bible in one hand and a sword in the other. Jesus loves you, so do I. And then you, we know history. <laughs> um, they they spoke, but they didn't mm-hmm. do it indeed. Um, so that they was didn't love. No, no. They didn't they, love. And we, and the, and that's in the back of the mind of a lot of those folks, the traditional folks. Is um, we don't want that kind of God. We don't want that Jesus. We don't want the that religion that you know stole our land and pillaged and and beat and stripped and took away. You know that was a mark disfigured Jesus. And every time you mention Christianity or church or Jesus, that's the first thing that comes up in their mind. So I think a part of this next move of God is that we're going to represent a more accurate Jesus to the world. We'll be doers um, of the world. Yeah. And to the tribes and to the nations. And a lot of it, you know, it starts, is going to start with us. It's going to start in our lives. The reformation is going to start in us. So yeah, the, a lot of them that struggle like that, that's, that's how I'm approaching it. Um, a lot of ministry doesn't happen behind the pulpit. Or on the platform, it happens in the office, it happens at the cafe, it happens on the street, you know, um, it happens on a basketball court, you know, I, uh, I happens I, I away from the pulpit. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, um, yeah, becoming all things to all men that I might win some, gain some. And, um, it's like the four, you know, the four faced creature of Ezekiel, one of the things that men and women of God forget is it says that it had the face of a lion and eagle and ox and a man and it turned wherever the wind blew or the spirit drove it 
And I think one of the, the real lack of leadership in the body of Christ is knowing how to be a transitional man. And there's a time to be a lion. There's a time to be an ox. There's a time to be an eagle. And there's a time just to be a man. Um, there's times my, my wife needs me to be a lion or an eagle or an ox, sometimes just a man, as well as my children. You know, I can't always be an eagle and say, come here, you know, uh, my son or my daughter, and let's say the Lord barely, barely. All they want to do is sit and play a video game with you, or they want to wrestle with you. But we're too busy being an ox or a lion or, uh, you know, an eagle that they're not able to touch their dad. Um, so that's another principle I think that uh, the, the body of Christ and leaders really need to learn. Um, is knowing how to be a transitional man, being a kingdom man, not just a church man mm-hmm. or church person, uh, but being a kingdom person. And that's that's the type of uh, work I, I feel that God's really emphasized as far as my life is concerned. Brother Timothy, what does the Bible say about the awakening that is to come or that is here already? Yeah, um, I believe that there is a... Um, uh, when we're talking about that, about the awakening, I don't, some folks have different, you know, different understandings of what that is. Um, but my ministry, my, my ministry as well as, or the ministry of the Lord in me is like an apostolic prophetic foundational man. I always go back to principles like um, promise, preparation, performance. God brings his promise, then there's preparation, then there's performance. So, I believe there's a promise of an awakening. Uh, I believe the whole earth will be filled with its glory. Every sector of society will be touched. Just as the waters cover the sea. Um, if you look at the sea, the sea is so powerful and so massive that it can carry enormous ships and destroyers. But at the same time, a little child can go down to the shore and splash and play in it. It means that there's so many different levels of God's kingdom and glory that's going to touch and cover the whole earth. So it's going to touch, touch everybody, every tribe, every nation, every language, every tongue, um, from the high rises in New York to the villages in Africa. The move of God is going to touch everybody. Um, but I always like to deal with what I call first things first and um, that we're going to get to that point. And, and I'm, I'm writing a book. Um, hopefully we'll be done soon. I keep trying to get at it and I start and trying to edit it, but um, it has What's to do. With, it, it has to do with the house. It's called the house um, times three. And, and what it is, what it deals with is uh, principles that I call the house, the house, the house. The house, the house, the house. And the three houses, the first house is the individual house. Second house is the family house. The third house is the church house. So the house, the house, the house. I always say the church house is a product of the family house. The family house is a product of the individual house. So if I can get victory in my individual house, then I can get victory in my family house. I can get victory in my family house, and there'll be victory in the church house. So the house, the house, the house. 
the individual house, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he said, start in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the individual house. They go to Samaria. Samaria is the family house. Then to Judea, which is the church house. Then he says, then the uttermost parts of the world. So you start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the world. We have things out of order in church entities because we're trying to reach the uttermost parts of the world and our focus is on there. And then we forget to first go to Samaria, which is the church house. We forget to go to Judea, which is the family house. And we forget Jerusalem, which is the individual house. So before we try to reach the church or the world, God is saying, uh, Tim, set your house in order. Let's start with the individual house, your spirit, soul, and body. It's your spirit over your soul and over your body. It's your passions, your emotions, your own desires, your own ways, you know, under in that place. Get joy here so you can bring joy over here. And um, the, that, that's the principle of the house, the house, the house. So I believe that there's a move coming. But I believe that the Lord is coming to the house in the individual house, the family house, and the church house. And that's a powerful principle um, because it'll make us more impactful. You know, in the individual house, there's an order. I got to know my relationship to God as a son before being a father to my children. I got to understand my relationship to God as a son before being a husband to my wife. And, and that order continues to carry on. So, if this individual house is out of order, my family house is going to be out of order. My family house is out of order. The church house is going to be out of order. And so you're talking about alignment too, right? Yeah. It, it involves so many things. Alignment, order, structure, building, mm-hmm. um, all of those those things. And, and it, it affects every house. Mm-hmm. And um, so right now, I'm not real I know that God's going to touch the um, the world, the uttermost parts of the world. But what I want to do is see build people. That's why in the bio it says building individuals, families, churches, and communities by the blueprint of God. So that's what I meant by that in, in that bio was first I want to touch individuals. I want to change their lives. I want to reform the, the bent, broken pieces in their lives. I want to make them whole. I want to assemble them and mend them and restore them so that they can be good husbands and good fathers in a family house and then go into the church house and be good leaders. Because a lot of times we emphasize people's gifts and ministries and call and and they push that out without first building the person, building the man. You know, Jesus didn't die for my gift and my ministry. Jesus died for me, Tim, his son. And I think that's what happens when people get so involved in ministry and and reaching the world is that when all of that is gone and there's no platform and there's no microphone, then they have an identity crisis. They don't know who they are anymore or they haven't dealt with things in their individual house. And then they get pushed out into the work. The uttermost parts of the world, they crash and burn, you know, and they have issues that they've never dealt with in the individual house. So um, that's a whole part of the father. And that's why I said it was so important to be around like my dad like that or other mentors that were willing to raise me 
and not just birthing. That's one of the another issues that we see in Indian country or among the reservations is that we have a lot of people that come and put up a tent and have a big crusade and they birth a lot of things, but they never raise it. Um, and they birth a, a, lot, a, a move and they never raise it. it you know, they're not, they don't build it and bring it to maturity or um, bring it to where, where God wants it to be. So that's, that's another thing. And, and that we really need that. We really need uh, fathers in the house of God and people that, you know, have that spirit of fathering and raising up. It's easy to birth something, something else to raise it. Um, that's what Apostle Paul said. You have 10,000 instructors, but not many fathers. So, but is it a possibility where some people will have the job of birthing something, like, and then others raising it? Could that be that a possibility too? Yeah, one one plants and one, uh, right. the, the waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that. Um, but that's why that's the apostolic and prophetic uh, work. They're the foundational men. Um, so they lay the foundation, and others come and build upon it. And, and that's a part of the house, the house, the house. Apostolic, uh, prophetic is foundational. Evangelist pastors and teachers are revelational. So any move of God that gets birth has to have apostolic prophetic foundation in it. Uh, God never called evangelist pastors and teachers to birth any. He called apostles and prophets to first. That's why Apostle Paul said, I have laid the foundation. I have set the, the stones. Now, those of you that come after me, you evangelist pastors and teachers, take heed how you build upon the foundation. For there's no other foundation that no man can lay than that which is Jesus Christ. So once that, that birthing has happened and that foundation has been laid, and that's when the evangelist pastor and teacher come and build on that foundation according to the blueprint. And there's a way the foundation is laid, you know, because the scripture says that we might know the width, length, height and depth so our depth is going to determine um how high we're going to build our breadth is going to determine how wide we're going to build so uh, those types of things that the width and the breadth are very important of how we lay the foundation in the individual house and then in the family house then the church house and then can you imagine the there's an old song that says lord send revival let it start in me what I need is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is free. Lord, here's my cup. Fill it up. Full as it can be. Lord, send revival, but let it start in me. You know, and that's my prayer. Lord, let revival start in me. Let deliverance start in me. Let victory start in me. Let that revelation, anointing, and awakening start in me. Let that fire burn in this individual house. And then let me come in with that fire and that anointing Amen. and awakening. And watch what it does to my family. Watch it, what it does to my children. And then can you imagine taking your family into the church house? Then we don't have to pump up people. We don't have to praise for I don't know however long and get people excited because something already started in the individual house. So it just flows from glory to glory. And then finally release that type of people on the uttermost parts of the world. I mean, people that have an identity crisis and people that have a solid foundation and people that are, are understand the relationship with God. So that's how I'm approaching this next move and this next wave. And I think this is something we need within uh, Indian country 
because we're good at just having meetings and having revivals and having services. That's why I made that statement. Um, we call the conference the Assembling of Eagles because it's e easy to gather but not assemble. And that's a part of the house, the house, the house. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. He didn't say don't forsake gathering together. You know, we can gather seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and never assemble. And that was a picture of the children of Israel. They wandered and wandered. A million something Jews preaching, praying, prophesying, uh, but no land, no inheritance. They're just called a great people. But once they crossed over Jordan, then they became a nation. God's trying to make us become a nation, and not just a great people. So I thank God for the signs and the wonders and miracles that I grew up in. That there's a place and a part for that. And I'm excited about it. But I'm more concerned about building people, building individuals, families, churches, and communities so that they'll last. You know, they'll last and be a great testimony and witness. And um, that's what I'm excited about. Um, I think that's part of this great move of God that's going to come. It's already here, so I'm glad to be part of that. So you said it's already here. How do you know it's already here? I know it's already here because it's starting in me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amen. Speaking about the house, huh? Yeah, yeah, the individual house. <laughs> the individual and, and that's, house. That, yeah, that's how I think. I think in terms of order, we're not children of darkness. We're children of the light. So I get the individual house. So what he's going to build next? He's going to build a family house. What he's going to build next? The church house. It's like the whole tabernacle too. You know, you look at right. each each um, piece of furniture. You know what the next move is going to be. Um, so I feel, I always tell folks. They say we're we're waiting for God to speak. Like He's always speaking. He's always speaking. Mm -hmm. um, and He's not confined to our times and our seasons. He's all he uh, like I say. He's running rampant throughout His earth. You know, he's he's already uh, uh, speaking. His man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds Proceed. out of the mouth of mouth God. Of God. It's, pro mm -hmm. it's proceeding. It's a proceeding word. It's like a river. It's flowing. God's always speaking. The scripture said there'll be a famine in the last day for the hearing of the word of God. People would go, you know, east and west and searching mm -hmm. and there'll be a famine. The famine is not for the word of God. The famine is for the hearing of that word of God. So we're not in a famine. God is speaking. There is a word already in the earth. The issue is not with the word. The famine is people hearing that wow. word. So that's the famine is that the lack, the, the wanting, the coming behind is that people aren't hearing the already the word of God that's in the earth. Now, why you know, aren't they not hearing the word of God? Is it because they choose not to? I believe that, and I believe that they're not in the position to receive and download that word and walk it out. Um, I like that beautiful scripture where it talks about in Isaiah, I believe it's 55, 11, that his word would come out of heaven like rain and like snow out of his mouth. And then it talks about his word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was sent to do. And I believe that there is a sent word that has been released from the mouth of God, from heaven into the earth. And it comes like rain and it comes like snow. 
you know, when the when the rain comes and it hits the earth, it automatically refreshes the earth. The earth is drinks it in and it's refreshed the trees, the plants, the animals feel mm-hmm. that rain as it comes down and it refreshes. Well, the Lord said, even so shall the word that goes forth out of my mouth, it'll come like rain. But he also Ooh, said it would come hear. like snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it would come like snow. And then when snow comes, it doesn't go into the earth. It lays on top of the earth. So it stays on top of the earth in a suspended state until a season or time comes, until spring comes. And all of a sudden, the, the sun hits that snow and the snow breaks and it liquefies and it finally goes into the earth. So the word of God comes in two ways, like rain and like snow. Sometimes God's word comes like snow and it sits and hovers on top of the earth. So God's word is released, but he said it will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent to do. That's what I love about a sent word. It's not just a word. It's a prescribed word. It's sent to fulfill a purpose and to accomplish a task. So it's sent and it sits on top of the earth and it stays in that suspended state until that time and season when it's released. It's like the prophet Joel when he said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will have visions. The prophet Joel released that word from the mouth of God into the earth. And it didn't come like rain because rain is instant. Snow is progressive. So he spoke that word and released it into the earth's atmosphere. And it hovered in the earth's atmosphere for hundreds and hundreds of years, shooting that word from the Old Testament over into the New. And finally, on the day of Pentecost, something happened. People were standing all around and said, what is this? What's going on? What's happening to these men? And Peter was able to stand up the apostle on the other side, stands up and says, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So that prophetic word released from the mouth of God like snow was in a suspended state for hundreds of hundreds of years until God could finally find a people that could download that word and walk it out. So that's how the word comes, you know, like snow. I believe there's a word already in the earth. I believe that his voice is already in the earth and is waiting for that certain time, certain season, and for us to come into a place where we can receive and take that word and begin to walk it out. Um, and I believe a part of that is is dealing also with the house, the house, the house, so that we can be able to carry that word and take that word. And um, I think the word of God is, is the blueprint. It's his voice. Um, once it's released, it can't be stopped. It's already set in motion. There's some things that are, are already happening and are going to happen. So, um, for yeah. example, give us some examples. I want you to paint a picture if you could. Well, um, I guess I would have to have you define what you see as far as the awakening. When you say awakening, what does that mean to you? Or what is, what are you, what is that referring to? A, a great revival, a great move. Um, right. A great move of the Holy Spirit. I think the word. Um, is going to have a 
impact as far as the awakening, like I said, going into an individual's life and making that shift or that change. The, the vo- we don't know how to be without the voice of God. We don't know how to, to be or exist without, without the voice of God, the word of God. Um, and when the word of God comes, I think it reforms, it changes, it, it alters us. Um, and I think that that's what's going to happen when God's word is released into the earth and into our lives. Um, it's like, it's like a, the scripture says, it's like a two-edged sword. And it pierces, it reaches beyond every barrier, every wall, every hindrance. And when we're open and hear that word from God, it's going to cause change in us first. And then it's going to change our families and, and our fellowships and in the uttermost parts of the world. I believe that that's how God is going to do it. I always say that the whole earth is groaning. You know, the whole earth is groaning right now. Um you see it in a lot of different places, how the earth is groaning. We see it in the natural, even in the environment of how it is, and even in the political systems uh, of how things are happening. Um, and the whole earth is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. The word sons there is weos. It means the fully matured sons of God. Um, God is really waiting for us to grow up and come to maturity. The whole earth is waiting for us to come to maturity and into a place of becoming a weos, a fully matured son of God. Um, most of, uh, you know, churches and more concerned about going up instead of growing up. And I think that's a part of the emphasis is God is wanting us to, to come to that place. That's the purpose of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip and um, to mature the people of God to hasten his coming. You know, my purpose is I want to hasten his coming. Um, and, and what's important in that is for us is to um, move forward into maturity, move forward into this place that God wants us to, to be um, that will really bring a release into the earth, I believe. Um, so that's, that's part of something that I see as well. Um, is that God is wanting us to come into, into alignment, into order, into place with him and, um, to, to bring that to pass. It's like all this stuff that's going on. God, I always say God is moving. He's moving. He, he's absolutely moving. And a lot of people look at the things in the earth, the chaos and the, the situation with the pandemic and, uh, the situation with the economy and the, the currency and a lot of things that are happening. And, um, you know, a lot of folks can be in panic. A lot of folks can live in fear. A lot of folks can live in uncertainty or anxiety. But those of us that have sight and understanding, we're not in that state of panic or fearfulness because we know the God behind it. We know the God behind it and that he's working behind those things. Um, it's just like when I, I mentioned one time that, you know, sight and vision are spiritual muscles in the kingdom. It depends on what you see. Um, back in the day when Jesus was 
being whipped and beaten and scorned and mocked and a crown of thorns on his head. And he was pushed to carry or made to carry that cross up the hill. A lot of his disciples and followers thought it was the end of the world for them, that their world as they knew it was coming to an end. Their king was going to be crucified. It was a dark and gloomy day for them. Um, they were gnashing their teeth and weeping, and it, he was finally hung on a cross, and he died. You know, to them, it was a sorrowful day. But for those of us living today, because of what we know now and what we understand now, if we were translated back to that time and we were standing there with those same people, you know, we wouldn't be weeping or crying and feeling like it was a gloomy day. We would probably actually, I would probably actually be cheering, cheering him on. Yes, Jesus, go up that cross. Yes, it's okay. Go, you know, I'd be clapping. Yes, Lord, <laughs> go ahead. Because he was fulfilling the scripture because we knew what was going to happen on the third day. Um, and that's the same way it is today. A lot of people see all the things that are happening today and feel like, oh, no, you know, where is the revival? Where is this great awakening? Where is this great move? Where is this great um, thing that is supposed to take place and breakthroughs? Look at how everything's going. It looks like darkness is winning. It looks like things are falling apart. It looks like we aren't going to make it, you know, and it looks like the enemy's having his way. And um, but those of us that understand what God is doing, we're not running from the crisis. We're accelerating into the crisis because we know we're getting ready to come to the finish. And that's our purpose is to bring things to a finish. And that is a mentality of an apostolic people is they, they understand he's the author and he's the finisher. Jesus prayed, it is finished. The Apostle Paul said, I have finished my course. That is the nature of an apostolic people. So a lot of the emphasis in this move of God in this last day is an apostolic anointing upon his people, a sent anointing. The word apostle means sent. So we're not talking about just an individual. We're talking about an anointing or technology that comes upon a people and they are going forth in their sentness. You know, so... Um, when I stand up before people, before dignitaries, for political people, or whoever, I know who I am. I'm sent. Mm. And when I speak, I speak and stand in the power of my sentness. There's a mm -hmm. sent anointing upon me. Mm -hmm. Go down, Moses, into Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Whom shall I say sent me? <laughs> tell him I am that I am have mm -hmm. sent you with a sent anointing to deliver a sent word <laughs> you know um that word won't return void in other words moses you're going to be my envelope and i'm going to send you with a word into egypt tell pharaoh let my people go you know there's a, that sent anointing jesus said that the spirit of the lord's upon me he's anointed me he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted so that there's a sent anointing coming upon God's people in this last day to do all the things that he said that he was anointed to do. And that sent anointing, Isaiah said, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah said, Lord, here am I, send me. 
So God is looking for a people that's willing to take that sent word and uh, allow allow that technology or that anointing uh, to come upon them. So it's it's a powerful move of God that is already in the earth. <laughs> before they could be sent, they would need to be um, they would need to have that foundation in their first house, right? Yes, that needs yep. to be developed. It needs to be built already. That foundation, yep. as you were talking about, the house, the house, the house. Yes, yeah. The sons and daughters are sent. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. So there's a lot in that technology or that anointing, but but it's a powerful thing um, that's in the earth today. It's, I'm excited to be a part of it. And that's what we want to release um, in the earth. You know, we, we're sent to represent. So how do you release that? Individual house. As you were saying that, individual house, okay? <laughs> yep, individual, family, church. So when I'm coming into an area, say, um, I want to deal first with the individuals and, and, and tell them what God is telling, speaking to them. Mm-hmm. And and deliver what God has for them and then believe that that's going to carry on because we don't want to just receive the word of God. We want to see, receive the work of God. Mm-hmm. So a prophet comes with the word, but apostle comes with the work. Um, so we really want not just receive the word. We also want to receive the work of God. Um, so that that's kind of when I'm delivering the words, uh, <laughs> We go into some areas and I'll tell my wife or my son, I'll say, um, if you can feel what, what you have to break through. I'm like, it uh, looks like we're going to have to Jeremiah 110 this, <laughs> you know, root up, pluck up, tear down, destroy, then plant and build. So there's like golden calves we got to knock over. There's foundations we got to blow up. There's traditions and religions of men that we got to just root up, pluck up, tear down so that we can finally start planning and building. So a lot of times that also happens in the individual house. You know, there's some stuff that you got to break mm-hmm. through, beliefs, teachings, mm-hmm. things that are just not God. It shake those out. You know, he sent his voice and it shook not only the heavens but the earth so that he can remove those things that were made so that those things that were of God would remain. So there's a lot of things that are made man-made that God's voice needs to shake out. So there's a lot of man-made things in the individual house, the family house, and the church house. There's a lot of man-made stuff. It's so true. What happens to a person if if they go and they're not sent and they think they're prepared? Um, If they just go, then you're going to get me into some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Just be brief as possible. Yeah. um, Like if they just go, they just went, they weren't sent. So there's no, there's, there's no, a father gives identity. Father gives the name. A father will preserve, promote and protect. But this person's going out without any of that. Um, and it's it's not a good place to be um, because there's two questions that you're gonna always have to answer that they ask Jesus: Who gave you this authority? 
and who sent you. You know, and everyone that goes out, uh, they don't have the authority because we all know authority comes from submission. The satyrian knew that. I have people under me. I say, do this, do that, and they do it. So um, there's there's safety in the way of God, the way of God. When we say something's out of order, like I can go to individuals, say my son, I use an example, I'll say, my son, you're out of order. Basically telling them you're not doing it God's way. It's just another way of saying you're not doing it God's way. Your family's out of order. Your marriage is out of order. I'm just simply saying you're not doing it God's way. And I come to the church house and I say, you know what, church, you're out of order. I'm just, what, what does he mean? You're not doing it God's way. So there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. Uh, my spiritual father said he had a dream once. There was a grave and he saw cars and homes just like just going into it and businesses and churches and people and ministries all just like going into that. And the Lord told him, what, what, why are you showing me this? And the Lord gave him that scripture. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death and destruction. So, the way of God is really important. Doing things God's way is important. So, so there's a way of God for your individual house. There's a way of God for the family house. And it's a more excellent way. It's a and beautiful way. And God is a way. God of order, too. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's a beautiful. So when someone goes out, they're not sent. They're not doing it God's way. They're not going the way, the way that God has prescribed or according to the blueprint that God has for them. You've been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria, founder of Global Gospel Worship Radio. Join us next time as Marina interviews local pastors and global leaders to share their testimonies and their ministries. All music is courtesy of Zapsplat.com, and our thanks goes out to Four Winds Ministries in Arizona for partnering with Faith City Outreach. If you'd like to support this ministry, just go to fcoprogram.com and click the donate button. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day.